This morning our text is Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 36. Luke chapter 9, 28 to 36. And today we finish up our series on Christ revealed, the epiphany of our Lord. As we've gone through these texts, these passages of Scripture, we've seen how Jesus had been revealing himself to those around him and, and to us today. But what we've covered of Jesus has been, it's been pretty subtle. As people of the day, we, we know what happened with the rest of the story, right? Like we, we have the luxury of, of looking back, seeing how his life played out and understanding what he was doing. As Jesus was, as Jesus was revealing himself to the people of the time, they didn't have that luxury. And so his, his revelation was subtle. Until we reach today's text. After today, the subtlety is gone. Today, Jesus reveals who he is to his inner circle. And through the words of Luke, we we get a pretty good idea of what that was like. Let's read the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 36. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James And went up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Thus ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word today, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. Any of you enjoy a movie with a plot twist? An ending that you just, you didn't see coming? And as you look back, like there were clues along the way, and you, you possibly could have or maybe should have Understood, but you didn't put all the pieces together until it was just presented to you. One of my favorite examples of an excellent plot twist comes in the movie The Prestige, starring Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. It's the story of, of two different magicians, two illusionists, and their quest to one-up the other, to do a better magic trick than the other. When their tricks or when, they, when, yeah, when their tricks behind their illusions are revealed and, and we see how they did what they do, it, like, it blows your mind. My mind was blown. Anyway, not just by the way that they pull off the trick, 
but also by what it cost them, what they had to sacrifice, what they had to give up so that the show could go on. Through our series these past weeks, we've been given more and more clues, more breadcrumbs leading up to the big reveal of who Jesus is. Kings worshiping at his cradle. His first miracle of turning water into wine at a wedding. His baptism and the appearances of the Holy Spirit and God the Father. The beginning of his ministry, his preaching in the synagogues and how people were healed, how demons were cast out and and how the towns he visited wanted to keep, to hoard the blessings of his presence all to themselves. We have seen the calling of the disciples. We've heard his words of loving instruction and comfort for those in his mission. We've been given a directive, love your enemies. That is at the core of Jesus' mission, his purpose here on earth. And there are many more things that Jesus has done. These are just a few that that have been chosen for us to study bits of of foreshadowing leading up to the final conclusion of who this man, this teacher from Nazareth, really is. His disciples didn't fully understand. And they were with him through all of this journey. They had made some some proclamations. You know, they had had called out some, some grand ideas, some thoughts, some hot takes maybe. But it wasn't until Peter, James, and John went up on the mountain with Jesus that it really began to sink in for them. What a day that must have been. They climbed the mountain, and because Jesus is looking for solitude, he's he's getting away in search of some peace and quiet. The disciples fall asleep, and Jesus begins to pray. And as he's praying, his, his face begins to change, and his clothing becomes dazzling white. And then two guys show up, and and they start talking with Jesus, and and who could they be? But Moses and Elijah, two of the biggest heroes in the history of the Jewish faith. How would that have felt for Peter, James, and John? Their heroes just, just show up and start talking to their master, their teacher, their friend, who has gone through a massive transformation right before their very eyes. And Peter, man, he gets so hyped. He's like, he's so excited. He just wants to sit in it. He just wants to to stay there, all of them together. He says to Jesus, hey, man, this is so great. Like, this is wonderful. Let's get some shelters. You know, we'll, we'll build one here. We'll build one over there. We got some places set up for Moses and for Elijah and for you. And we can just like hang out here for a while. This is a good place to be. This is a wonderful place to be. Let's just stay here as long as we can. How many of us can relate to Peter? How many of us can relate to Peter? Have any of us been to a a women's retreat or a men's retreat or a winter weekend or a time of Bible camp or Tusk where we we just didn't want to leave? We wanted all of our friends, our family, the speakers, all of the elements of the moment to stay the same so that we could just sit 
in the awesomeness of God for as long as possible. I've been, I've been where Peter's at. More than once I've been there, not not sitting on a mountain in, in the glory of God and my heroes suddenly presented before me. But I've experienced times in my life where I've felt God moving in ways that I I didn't understand, in ways that I couldn't really comprehend, but that absolutely overwhelmed me in the best way possible. I've had that feeling at at youth conventions. I've I've had that feeling at Bible camp. I've I've had that feeling for a while when, when I was going to school at Hillcrest. I mean, this is a good time, I thought. This is a great place to be. This is a comfortable place. And I, I can feel God moving. Why would I want to leave? Shouldn't we just sit in this for as long as possible? Shouldn't we do all that we can to sit in this revelation of God's glory for as long as we can? There are times in our life, in our Christian walk, when the awesomeness of God is revealed in ways that we hadn't known before and we're overcome. We're caught in the moment, overcome by His glory. This can happen when we first recognize our need and and the grace that he has for each of us. But it's also something that continues to happen throughout our lives during special moments in time when God reveals it a bit more of himself, a bit more of his glory to us. How do we respond to the reveal? How do we respond? Are we inspired to action or to rest? Are we inspired to action or to rest? How God desires us to be inspired is also revealed in this passage. We are, we're given two clues. The first is one that Peter, he didn't have the knowledge to understand. And honestly, because of the excitement of all that was going on around him, it's likely that even if he did have the knowledge to understand, he would have missed it anyway. You see, a very interesting conversation is happening between Jesus and Moses and Elijah. We read in in verses 30 to 32, And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. What are they talking about? What is the subject of the conversation that is taking place between these heroes of the Christian faith? They're talking about what Jesus was about to do in Jerusalem. Peter, he couldn't see the future. He doesn't know what that conversation would possibly be about. But we do. We do. We know that they are talking with Jesus about his mission. They are talking about Jesus' departure. Leon Morris, in his commentary on the book of Luke, says this, The use of the word exodus, departure, For death is unusual, and we can draw a direct connection to the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. 
the exodus that had delivered Israel from bondage. Jesus, by his exodus, by his departure, would deliver his people from a far worse bondage. Elijah and Moses weren't discussing the good times ahead. They weren't discussing the, the resting, and like they weren't just resting in the glory of Jesus revealed. They were talking with Jesus about the cross. They were talking with Jesus about the cross. The second clue we have as to how God desires us to be inspired when he reveals to us glimpses of his glory is found in how God the Father responds to Peter. Peter's excitedly rattling off all of the ways that he would like to preserve this this amazing moment on the mountain. And, And what happens? What happens? He's in the middle of talking. Our verses tell us that while he was talking, a cloud shows up and overshadows them. They're covered in this, this thick, soupy cloud. And the disciples, they start to get nervous. They start to become afraid. And we read that a voice from the cloud speaks to them and says, This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice stops speaking, the cloud like dissipates. And when the disciples can see again, they realize that Elijah and Moses are gone. And it's just Jesus standing there. While Peter's going off on all of the ways that they should preserve the moment. All the ways they should preserve the moment, God comes down and interrupts him. While Peter is still speaking, God comes down and stops this train of thought. And he says, stop thinking. This is my son. He is my chosen one. Listen to him. Listen to him. There was no time for shelters on the mountain. They weren't on the mountain so they could set up shop, put up some tents, and get caught in the moment. They were there that they might be encouraged for mission they might be encouraged for mission. Jesus had a mission to accomplish. He had an exodus to take. And on that mountain, he had conversation with and was blessed by some great friends as they discussed the coming hardship he was about to experience. Jesus was about to take the sin of the whole world on his shoulders. He was about to go down into the city of Jerusalem where he knew he would be arrested and tried for heresy where crowds that once laid palm branches before him and praised God for him, calling him the king, would soon change their song to crucify him. Crucify him. Jesus was prepared to walk up the hill to Calvary, an innocent man, but carrying a heavy wooden cross, but not just a cross. He would also be carrying the sin of the world, your sin, my sin, all of the sin for all of time, and he would be Nailed to that tree because of our sin. That sin wasn't his. And he would die there. Paying the price for our sin. The price that we could not. That through faith in him and his work on our behalf. We might have a relationship with God. That we would be reconciled to the father. This 
was his mission. This was his mission. And he accomplished it by conquering sin and death and rising again victorious. We aren't encouraged to settle in and get comfortable in the mission that Jesus has called us to. We aren't encouraged to settle in and get comfortable in the mission that Jesus has called us to. Whether we are experiencing the mountaintop or we are sitting in our pew on a Sunday morning, we are not called to be comfortable. In fact, we are continually called to be uncomfortable. For the sake of the gospel. That's a constant theme in the teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples. We we see an example of this in Matthew 8, 18 to 22, where we read, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. Talking about a, a lake. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. The mission of Christ is not comfortable. So, Are you feeling comfortable? We like to be comfortable. We like things to be a certain way. We prefer things (coughs) to stay the same and to not change. We have adjusted to comfort. But God is calling us to stretch. Each of us. And so as we make the different arguments as to why we should be able to remain comfortable. May we be reminded of the Lord God interrupting those same arguments that came from the mouth of Peter. May we be reminded of his command, listen to my son. Jesus is calling us out of our comfort and into his mission to bring about his kingdom. He is reminding us that our comfort is not found in our circumstances or our preferences. Our comfort is found in Him. He is our rock and our salvation. He is our shelter. He is our hope. Only in Him can we be truly comfortable. On that mountain many years ago, all the clues, they fit into place. The breadcrumb trail reached its end and Jesus revealed himself to his disciples. He revealed who he was, his face changed and his clothes dazzling. He revealed his mission to free us from the bondage of our sin. His revelation was confirmed By the Father, the voice in the cloud saying, This is my Son, my chosen one. Listen to Him. How will we respond to His revelation? How will we respond?